Welcome to the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for listening this week and supporting public radio. Parts of Florida are reopening slowly, while other regions remain closed, uh, except for essential activity, of course. Now, this weekend was the first time in a month residents could walk, jog, swim, and surf along the beaches around Jacksonville. That city's mayor, Lenny Curry, announced he was reopening the sand for a few hours each day back on Friday, but keep social distancing guidelines. Those are still in place, as well as a ban on gatherings of 50 people or more. Folks, this can be the beginning of the pathway back to normal life, but please respect and follow these limitations. Stay within the guidelines for your safety, as well as for the safety of your neighbors. But in South Florida, beaches and parks remain closed. Miami-Dade County Mayor Carlos Jimenez said on Friday, while planning is underway for reopening public spaces sometime in the future, there's no decision yet on when to do that. No orders will be lifted as yet. We must continue to stay safer at home. When we're going out for essential trips, you should be practicing social distancing and staying six feet apart from others and wear a mask when uh, entering stores. South Florida is the epicenter of the COVID-19 outbreak in Florida. More than half of the infections confirmed by the state are here, while there are about 1,000 confirmed cases in the three northeast Florida counties, including Duval, where Jacksonville is located. Now, today on the Sunshine Economy, we're live in the 9 a.m. hour to talk about the federal government efforts to save the U.S. economy, restart business, and get money into the hands of Americans and companies. What's your experience been in terms of the federal stimulus efforts? 800-743-WLRN. We're live right now here in the 9 a.m. hour in South Florida, 800-743-9576. What should be the conditions to restart local business? How will the hospitality industry and the tens of thousands of jobs it represents restart in the weeks or maybe even months ahead? And with local officials making these decisions, what's the role of the federal government? 800-743-WLRN, 800-743-9576. We're also on Twitter. Look for us at WLRN is our handle. Representative Debbie Wasserman Schultz is a Democrat representing the 23rd Congressional District. That's west into Dania Beach and then south to Bay Harbor Islands. Representative John Rutherford is a Republican representing the Florida 4th Congressional District, St. Augustine and the areas surrounding Jacksonville. Representatives, welcome to WLRN. Thank you for your time this morning. Representative Rutherford, uh, some of the beaches in your neighborhood opened up over the weekend. What should be additional considerations for reopening the economy, Representative Rutherford? Well, thank you, Tom, and it, it's great to be with you this morning. And it, the uh, mayor did open our beaches yesterday, and um, so so far, people have been following the guidelines. They've they've been social distancing. Law enforcement uh, did has did uh, have to move one crowd uh, along uh, a group, but um, other than that, it was. Uh, pretty well handled by the by the citizens, I think, who really appreciate the opportunity to get out and exercise uh, on the beach. What should be the role of the federal government in what is amounting to local decisions about reopening public spaces and then ultimately reopening businesses? Yeah, I think the key is uh, for the federal government is providing the support that the local uh, governors and mayors are going to need to make those decisions. Uh, and that is mainly uh, before we can begin to open business, we have to be sure that we have the, this uh, COVID-19 under control. And uh, according to the guidelines put out by President Trump, that would be two weeks yeah. of declining numbers uh, and uh, symptoms uh, for, for folks. And, and it's important that the hospitals have the bed capacity and the uh, intensive care unit bed capacity for a surge should it should you have a rebound situation so i think those are the those are the things that we can certainly help the states with and that is uh the key to this i think tom is going to be testing and tracing yeah we're going to talk about testing and the role of the federal government there representative rutherford uh congresswoman wasserman schultz we've reconnected with you thanks again for your time and rejoining us here on wlrn what should the considerations from your perspective be for reopening local economies well first thanks for having me and i hope everyone listening is is healthy and safe indeed um the main things that we really need to do to reopen is continue social distancing even when we slowly begin to ramp up um but ramping up rapid testing is going to be absolutely critical isolating if people are sick those who are infected and in the rare places where you do see openings 
some of them ill-advised in my opinion, you still see strict calls for social distancing. Uh, we need a massive, massive ramp up of testing. We must know who's infected before we can send people into the community. And if we don't do that, then we're just going to see a much lengthier period of time that we're doing with that we're dealing with COVID-19. And we're not close to that yet. The federal coordination of testing has been lax and states who can muster their own supplies have to be able to phase out stay at home orders um, as we make sure that we ramp up our testing. But the federal government's got to coordinate this and we have to make sure uh, that the president engages fully the Defense Production Act so that we can make sure that tests that that communities do have are able to be used because they don't have the supplies right now. Yeah, um, the, 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 the negotiations underway actively uh, with uh, you, Congresswoman Wasserman Schultz and Congressman Rutherford regarding mm -hmm. the role or, or, or even money about uh, uh, testing, uh, certainly bipartisan agreement just voiced right now about more testing necessary in order to make decisions about reopening the economy. Representative Rutherford, um, right. should they be federalized? Should the testing uh, scenario be federalized as opposed to up to the states right now? Well, I, look, I think the states are fully capable of handling this as long as uh, they have the resources. And, and that, I think, is the key. That's why in phase four, you're going to see another $25 billion uh, is in the Republican plan to uh, push forward additional testing. There, I was, I was told just last night on a conference call that there's some really good uh, uh, hopeful uh information going to come out about some new testing capabilities and which will cut down on the time i think and so those are those are the sort of things that uh i think the federal government can do to help the states look the the the, the country is we're a big country indeed we are million people yes uh and we're a big state and so 21 I, I million people we, but let me yeah, ask you about so, that 25 well, billion dollars in additional money for testing for resources is, is that money that would then go to the states that would still administer the testing program or congressman rutherford would that be yes. federal money used for federal testing efforts it, it would go to the states to assist them in their testing and congresswoman wasserman schultz does that answer uh, your desire for additional testing resources no, and, and quite frankly, the additional funding for testing was um, pushed by uh, by the Democratic majority in the House. And I'm glad that, 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 that we've reached agreement about that. That's not what's important. What's important is that unless you have this whole testing system quarterbacked by the fe by the federal government. And I don't I don't mean where the federal government's going to come in and, and run testing per se. But what has to happen is that we have states and local governments competing with one another right now for supplies. That all needs to be coordinated and quarterbacked by the federal government. So the system of dissemination of testing, of dissemination of supplies, of ensuring there's adequate supply is all coordinated through one place. That's something that I've been pushing for for several months, all the way back to when we were still in session and had an oversight hearing in which the whole testing system, Dr. Fauci acknowledged, was not designed for a massive pandemic like this. And we need to make sure that we don't have states and local governments competing against each other and showing up to warehouses like mm -hmm. our director of emergency management has done to an empty warehouse, mm -hmm. thinking that he had an order completed when he didn't, and it was because it was sent to a different state because they paid more. That's Rep crazy. Representative Wasserman Schultz, Representative Rutherford, stay on the line. We're going to talk more about federal stimulus payments now, the first of which wound up in uh, bank accounts just within the past week or so. Uh, there's consideration about, obviously, some additional efforts that uh, Congress is negotiating right now, but we're going to talk about those federal economic stimulus payments that have begun showing up in perhaps your bank account. Have you seen the money? What questions do you have about who gets it and when? That's still to come as we continue.
We're back on the Sunshine Economy, a special live edition, taking your phone calls here on this Monday morning in the 9 o'clock hour. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for joining us and supporting WLRN. You may have seen your bank account jump in the past week. The first federal stimulus payments of up to $1,200 began showing up for some people just last week. Here's what Marsha Broad and others told WLRN that they're going to do with that money. We are lucky to be retired with a steady income from pensions and Social Security. My husband and I are going to donate our stimulus money to nonprofits to help those who are suffering during this difficult time. Hi, my name is Robin Burr, and I live in the Redland. I would use the Trump virus check to purchase groceries and pay essential bills, such as rent, Uh, gas, and of course, electric, phone, things that you have to pay each month, no matter what. My name's Mark from Miami. My wife and I are both lucky enough to still be working. So I have already given my money to my niece, who is out of work. She is a waitress and a Uber driver and has two teenage children that she's raising. So there was no question that She was in a tougher spot than I am, so I figured that was definitely a good place for that money to go. Are you waiting on your stimulus payment? Have you tried checking with the IRS on the status of that payment? 800-743-WLRN is our telephone number. We're live in the 9 a.m. hour here in South Florida, 800-743-9576. Representative Debbie Wasserman Schultz is still with us, Democrat with the 23rd Congressional District. Representative John Rutherford, Republican from Florida's 4th Congressional District, are still with us. Uh, Congresswoman Wasserman Schultz, what's the status of those stimulus payments? What's the latest date at which people can expect to see them if they qualify for them? Well, the IRS has already begun sending out the first wave of payments, as you mentioned, and that was from individuals who they had direct deposit information on file from their 2018 or 2019 tax returns. After the first round of payments, the IRS plans to make a second payment run within the remainder of the month. The second round of payments is going to be made to Social Security beneficiaries and those who receive VA benefits who did not file tax returns in 18 or 19 and they'll get those rebates by direct deposit. They plan to start sending out paper checks in the first week in May, and those checks will be issued in reversed adjusted gross income order, starting with the lowest incomes first. The checks will be issued, they're telling us, at a rate of about $5 million per week, which means it might take up to 20 weeks to get all the checks out. And um, we, there's there's been some concerns about uh, what's been uh the addition of the president's name, slowing that up even further. Um, The IRS recently announced that they've established, though, and this is important, Tom, two portals on its website, one for non-filers and one for filers. And non-filers can submit their information to the IRS to make sure they get a direct deposit payment. That's why they're waiting a little bit before they send the paper checks, because it's much quicker to get them into people's accounts by direct deposit. So that would be useful for folks that either have not filed their taxes uh, most recently or do not have any direct deposit information on file with the IRS from previous tax years. Or don't pay. Yeah. Or don't submit a tax return. And that info is at irs.gov forward slash coronavirus. IRS.gov slash coronavirus. Uh, Congressman Rutherford, Congresswoman Wasserman Schultz, let's take some phone calls. Rama is in Palm Beach County. Go ahead, Rama. You're on the radio. Good morning, sir. Thank you for for what you guys do. I received my uh, stimulus check, my wife and I. We have a pretty basic tax uh, situation. I've not received my uh, tax return filed on March 3rd, and I'm wondering if Others have had the same experience. Again, I submitted through H&R Block, direct deposit, all the, you know, uh, nuanced uh, ways of receiving the check. I'm curious if the IRS is just slow to get that out or if other people have had that situation as well. Gotcha, Rama. Thank you for that. Uh, Congressman Rutherford, what do we know about IRS processing 2019 tax returns? We know that the tax deadline has been extended because of COVID-19. What about the processing for those folks that that have filed their returns and are expecting uh, some kind of uh, tax um, rebate, essentially? Yeah, yeah, Tom, the the, uh, filing deadline has been pushed back to July 15th. Uh, However, those who 
have submitted uh, already, I, I would think um, they should have. They, they, I, I really don't know that there's any um, special uh, problem that's being created here that would slow down their uh, their refund. Mm-hmm. Uh, it should come in the in the normal time. I would I, I would imagine. Yeah, it sounds like Rama. If you filed in late March, you're probably about two two and a half weeks in, uh, which generally, if memory serves right, uh, is roughly within that window of opportunity that the IRS tells folks to expect that tax refund if you've got that direct deposit information on file. Sen is in Miami on line three. Sen, go ahead. You're on the radio. <coughs> Yeah. Hey, guys, thank you for taking me. Um, yeah, so I'm still lucky to be employed. I work for a manufacturer in Miami, Florida. And so I just put the stimulus money into my IRA. Uh, you put it in your tax uh, deferred account then to make an investment in your future, huh, Sen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. correct. So in my company, actually, they, they cut back the uh, 401k match. Mm. Um, so instead of putting money into my 401k, I decided to put it into the IRA. Got it, Sen. Thanks for sharing your story with us here. Uh, 800-743-9576. Have you received that stimulus payment? Do you expect to receive it? Have you uh, checked on your status? 800-743-WLRN. Congressman Wasserman Schultz, we got uh, a uh, comment from Paul B. on Twitter saying, unfortunately, I'm getting a, quote, payment information not available, uh, even though I qualify and have filed 2018 and 2019 taxes. This is the uh, response, uh, Paul, that I think he's getting, Congresswoman, when he goes to the, that IRS site to check on his payment status, his stimulus payment status. Okay. Well, they're, they're, depending on where he is in the system, there's, they're still in the process of sending those rebates out. But I also want to answer the question of the, the previous caller. Uh, you can check your refund status on the website mm-hmm. for the IRS and if you if you've filed your your 2019 re- return recently, um, our understanding is that it could hold up for stimulus rebate until the IRS processes that. It it's it's been we we've gotten advice that if you have not yet filed your 2019 return, you may want to wait till you get your rebate check because that way you're not having the filing of your 2019 return potentially slow down the processing of your rebate check. So the IRS may be prioritizing the stimulus payments over 2019 refunds? Yeah, there are millions of other people who are getting that payment status not available. And so you have until July 15th. It probably makes sense if you have not already filed your 2019 return to wait till you get your rebate check and then file it, of course, by the deadline. Do you know, is the stimulus payment taxable income for 2020? Not. I am. I don't think it is. No, it, it's not. It's not. So, so you won't have to file that in 2020 taxes. <clears throat> um, gotcha. Okay. Uh, let's take another call here. Don in West Palm Beach on line one. Don, you're on the radio. Don, you're Hello. with us. Go ahead. You're on the radio. Yeah. Hey, can you hear me? Loud and clear. Okay, yeah. Yeah. This is this is Scott. This is Scott. Yeah. I we received our uh, check. My wife did. I did. Um, it's vaporized already. My biggest fear is Vapor- not- Sorry, Scott. Vaporized meaning that you spent it already? Yeah, it's well, it's gone to mortgage. It's gone to power. It's gone to uh, bills, basically. Mm-hmm. And my bigger fear is, and I give a lot of credit to the government because this is unprecedented, but I don't see a coherent plan going forward three months, six months, a year. And with with the barking that's coming out of the White House, that scares me even more. Scott, that's we, my final comment. We got it. Yeah, we got a bipartisan group here. Uh, Republican uh, John Rutherford from the Jacksonville area and Debbie Wasserman Schultz, Congresswoman from down here in South Florida. Uh, Congresswoman Wasserman Schultz, how about that longer term planning? Uh, I mean, we're in a status where three months from now we're considering long term planning, I suppose. But three months, six months, nine months down the line. How do you answer, Scott? 
Well, in the in the majority in the House, we are already working on the uh, CARES 2.0 package. I, I would say that what we might pass this week, if there's agreement, is sort of uh, CARES uh, you know, 1.2.1. Uh, um, and what that means is that over time, we are going in the next package, we're going to need to really make sure that we do things like adding automatic stabilizers, we're going to need to make sure that we get resources to state and local governments. Scott, you know, we we uh, we got to make sure that we don't have state and local employees like firefighters suddenly finding themselves laid off because we didn't get enough resources to states. The CARES 2.0 package will add you know more significant additional funding, and we're going to need to work with Republicans so that we can make sure that uh, over the next months, as we begin to reopen, but first establishing a priority that we have massive testing and contact tracing, um, we're going to need to make sure that we focus on that. Congressman Rutherford, how about the three, six, nine month planning process? Yeah, well, listen, I, I think what, what you saw in the CARES Act uh, was that long range planning. Uh, the, the, the Paycheck Protection Plan, uh, if, if we could have rolled that out uh, a, a two or three weeks earlier, uh, I think we could have saved a whole lot of jobs. But the whole idea in the Paycheck Protection Plan was to send money to small business so that they could keep their employees uh, employed and receiving that money. Yeah. It was really like a pass-through so that they would continue to have those relationships, that, that employer-employee relationship, and folks would, would get that uh, funding yep. through that assistance through through their employer, whether they were actually working or not, Congressman, we're going to uh, Congressman, we're going to uh, tackle that payment protection program and small business lending in just a few moments. There's a few more phone calls regarding the stimulus payments that we want to squeeze in here. In Wilton Manors, Jonathan is on line three. Go ahead, Jonathan, you're on the radio now. Uh, my question is: Will we be required to pay taxes on this twelve hundred dollar? Yep. We, we, uh, great question. And we asked that just a few moments ago. And I believe uh, uh, Congresswoman Wasserman Schultz, the answer is no, this is not federally taxed. Is that correct? Right. And, no, it is not. And of course, here in Florida, there is no state income tax. So uh, you're, you're free and clear on that payment uh, as well. Let's uh, bring in Debbie in Boca Raton. Debbie, you are on the radio. Thank you for calling. Uh, thank you for taking my call. I'm very frustrated here. I am a non-filer. I had been receiving disability benefits from Social Security up until January 2020. I received these payments through direct deposit, but now I was terminated as of January. So is my payment information in there? Do I qualify when I go to the website to file, to push the button for non-filers? It takes me to a income tax return where that there re- I can't complete the form it just won't let me send it I don't I, I, I it's very frustrating yeah and I get error messages and so what happens to my stimulus check and I've been out of work since January so uh, I, I don't know how to handle this I don't know where I stand on yeah. The yeah. Congresswoman Wasserman Schultz, uh, how about Debbie's scenario? Any experience with it? Right. Um, according to the IRS, the SSDI uh, re- recipients will get direct deposits. So that's uh, that the filing, the return is not necessary. Um, that change was relatively recent. And we've been pressing for for that to be the, uh, that policy change to be made. So um, you will either go direct deposit or you get a paper check if they don't have your information, just as you would normally get benefits. But you should go on the website and make sure that they at least have your direct deposit information. And does the, you can do it irs.gov. Yeah, does the information does the information that Social Security uses for those direct deposits, is that being communicated automatically to the IRS or not necessarily so? Not necessarily so, but okay. most likely. But that's why going on the IRS website and making sure that you give it to them yeah. is important. Uh, Linda in Hollywood has a similar question. Go ahead, Linda. You're on the radio. Yes. Uh, I uh, also do not file taxes. Uh, if I understood you to say that the IRS uh, checks were going out first, then the Social Security, if you have direct deposit, which I do, uh, you said paper checks would start going out May 1st. Does that mean I should have my 
direct deposit into my account for the twelve hundred but before May first. Mm-hmm. Congressman Rutherford. Yeah, Tom, I, I I would think that 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 would be there before May first. Well, Wasserman uh, Schultz was I, the one that answered the question. Okay, if it's not there by May first, then I should I don't have a computer. I should go to an H and R block office or some such and. Be sure that IRS has my information. Is Lin- that Linda, what I should do? Linda, it's Tom. I'm s- Linda, it's Tom. Let me interrupt you just for a moment because I'm a little confused here on the question. Are you asking about your 2019 tax refund no, or I'm your monthly? No, I'm about the $1,200 stimulus money. I know. That, that in relation to your monthly Social Security check? Yes. Gotcha. So you're asking essentially which Those... one will be prioritized? No. I'm asking no, no, no. She's... the $1,200. Debbie Wasserman Schultz said that first the IRS uh, uh, information would be used, then the direct deposit Social Security information would be used. By May 1st, paper checks would sh- to go out. So does that mean I should have my direct deposit into my account for $1,200 by May 1st? And if I don't, then I should go to IRS Go to H and R Block. No. Be sure IRS has my info. I would I would go and make sure that the IRS has your direct deposit information now, rather than waiting to see whether the, that you get that check into your account okay, in the second half of this I, I month. I have not this... filed taxes for over five years because I don't earn enough, but I do get right. Social Security right. direct mm-hmm. deposited. But, I would but, go um, ahead and make sure that they have your information. All right. And uh, Congressman please Roth- remember that a lot of us out here still don't have .gov or .this or .that. <laughs> we, we're computer yeah. and, and smartphone <laughs> illiterate. Uh, thank uh, you. Understood, Linda, but thank you for <laughs> but, the phone call here at WLRN. Congressman Rutherford, your thoughts. Yeah. Linda, the, the, the way it should work, if you are receiving a Social Security check, that informa- the, the your, your bank information is going to be shared with IRS and you should get your uh, check before your deposit, before uh, May 1st, I would think. Now, if you don't, then I would go uh, look and see if there's something wrong. But until then, I, I, I think I would just let the system work. Mario in Fort Lauderdale on line six. Go ahead, Mario. You're on the radio. Uh, hi. So the question I have is, if uh, you owe taxes for 2018 and you haven't paid them, are they going to deduct that from the 1200 stimulus? Uh, good question, Mario. So how about if uh, you wind up filing your taxes, uh, Congresswoman Wasserman Schultz, and, and you, you owe the federal government money? Would that be deducted from the stimulus? No, the, the, the $1,200 is going to come to you, and it is not subject to deductions for other debts that you owe. Wonderful. All right. We're going to move on and talk about the uh, small business lending efforts on the part of the federal government as it has passed more than $2 trillion in programs to try to save the U.S. economy. Your questions, do you work for a small business? Uh, Do you own a small business? Have you filed? Have you tried to get uh, access to some of these emergency loan programs? 800-743-9576. The average business, the average business in South Florida has 14 employees. This is a an economy dominated by small and medium-sized businesses. 800-743-WLRN, 800-743-9576. A live phone-in Sunshine Economy here on the 9 a.m. hour at WLRN. More to come, the effort to get money into the hands of small companies. That's next. This is the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks again for listening and supporting public radio. Small companies are big business in South Florida. The average company here has 14 employees, according to the FIU's uh, Jorge Perez Metropolitan Center research. The Miramar-Pembroke Pines Regional Chamber of Commerce surveyed thousands of Broward businesses, and it found at least one out of four of them will not be able to survive more than a month in the current economic environment. Robert Goltz is the CEO of the chamber. I'm worried. I'm worried about seeing my friends going out of business in the next month. And my concern is their businesses go out. What happens 
to them. How does that unemployment looking for us then? Some of these people own businesses now that are going to be unemployed. You know, this domino going on right now is really is really um, hard. It took less than two weeks for a $349 billion pool of federal money called the Paycheck Protection Program to be emptied. It's loan money at first to be used to keep workers on payrolls and pay overhead like rent and utilities. If a company keeps people employed, its loan can be forgiven in the months ahead. Now, construction firms receive the largest share of the loans nationwide. Accommodations and food service companies, which have been especially hit hard here in Florida, received less than 10% of the money. Congress is working on a second wave of loans. 800-743-WLRN. We're live here in the 9 a.m. hour talking about federal stimulus efforts, particularly towards small businesses. 800-743-9576. Do you work or did you work for a company that applied for the money? Do you own a company that's applied for a loan? 800-743-WLRN. 800-743-9576. Representative Debbie Wasserman Schultz is still with us, Democrat from the 23rd Congressional District here in South Florida. Her colleague, Republican John Rutherford, represents the 4th Congressional District up and around Jacksonville. Both continue with us here. So, uh, Representative Wasserman Schultz, how much more money will Congress allocate for the protection, uh, the payment uh, protection program? Well, it's looking like there's agreement on adding another 300 300- $10 billion to the PPP program once we finalize this agreement. But but let me just underscore that we have to get money to in this PPP program to truly small businesses. Unfortunately, in the first round, larger businesses, the banks suddenly dropped in something we did not include in the legislation, which, re- which required an existing line of credit. And that that caused larger businesses to cut the line so that truly small businesses really were cut out of this first round of PPP money. And Well, it's my look, understanding we, that we, banks we had that initially, Congresswoman, but then within a matter of a day or two, they dropped that existing relationship no, requirement. No, 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 no. They, they, what they did was they went to you know, a more expansive definition of customer. But we, we can't just simply fund the Paycheck Protection Program. We have to address the flaws because big banks were able to get up and running very quickly. Mm-hmm. You have small independent community banks who were sort of cut out of the loop here. They're the ones that don't require existing customer relationships. They're the ones that get get resources out more quickly. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, we need, I mean, we, we had, uh, we put 500 employees or less as the definition of what qualified as a small business. And, and it was 500 employees in, or less per location. We heard, for instance, from Shake Shack, the exactly. national fast food company, did apply and got a $10 million loan and has decided to give back because while at any Shake Shack location, there's certainly fewer than 500 employees, but corporate-wide, it has more than 500 employees. So are you, are you going to redefine yeah. that within any new well, legislation? That's what, that's what Democrats are pushing for, and we've not yet gotten agreement from the Republicans to do that. We've got you know, one on the line. Let's what, just hear what Representative Rutherford has to say uh, about that kind of uh, additional guardrail uh, yeah. in terms of directing this toward truly small businesses. Well, l- listen, I, I think the uh, PPP has been directed toward mainly small businesses. It doesn't matter if, the, if, it's, a big, if it's a big bank that's lending the money. It's, it's who's getting the loan. But should companies if, have? If you look at, if should, you look at, should companies though have five hundred? Seventy-four percent. Seventy-four percent of the loans went to companies who were asking for one hundred and fifty thousand dollars or less. Those are your small companies. But should should in, in any additional help should the definition of a small company be? Uh, 500 employees or less or 50 employees or less, not per location, but for the entire corporation or entire uh, 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 file. Well, uh, well, Tom, I I can tell you in the the next tranche, there is going to be uh, some guidelines on, and I I can't tell you exactly uh, the dollar amounts, but but there is going to be commitment to certain... um, size small businesses are, are going to receive a certain percentage uh, because there are concerns that it's not going to small business right. but um, 
We, we, and we want to make sure that it does. Representative, stand by and stick with us here. We're going to bring in Victoria Guerrero. She is the Small Business Administration South Florida District Director. Director Guerrero, welcome to WLRN. What can you tell us about how many companies in South Florida received these uh, Paycheck Protection Program loans? Uh, we don't have data right now um, per district. So when you say South Florida, my district is... Uh, south of Kissimmee, Florida, all the way down to the Florida Keys. So at the moment, we only have it by state. Um, as of last Thursday, there was about 89,000 applications in the state of Florida that were approved, which uh, which equals about $18 billion of funding that were provided uh, to the small businesses in the state of Florida. Of that, I don't know how many are in the South okay. Florida district versus the North Florida district. So 89,000 companies uh, were approved for these loans in Florida. Is that right? As of Thursday of last And how many applied? Any idea how many applied? I I don't have that. So we don't know the approval ratio or the proportion, for instance. Correct. And do you know the size of the loans, what types of companies these went to in Florida? Yes, I do. Actually, it's on on our website on sba.gov. Let me, um, I can bring that up for you um, if you just give me a moment. Sure. As, um, as you bring that up, we'll remind folks we're live in the 9 a.m. hour, 800-743-9576, talking about federal economic stimulus efforts focused right now on small business efforts on the part of Congress, particularly the Paycheck uh, uh, Protection Program. This is uh, uh, loans of about two and a half months worth of payroll and rent and utilities that have been offered for small companies. The first tranche of about $350 billion took about two weeks uh, less than two weeks for small companies to uh, work their way through that, and there's negotiations underway about some additional money uh, that could go toward that. Uh, Director Guerrero, did you find what kind of companies in South Florida got these loans, or c- companies in in your district or in the state of Florida got these loans? I'm I'm, <clears throat> I'm still <clears throat> gathering this information. Still looking for that forgiveness. We know requires a company to spend seventy five percent on payroll in order for these loans to be forgiven. Uh, Congresswoman Wasserman Schultz, as you renegotiate uh, potentially a second uh, program here, uh, uh, how does that affect companies that might have like high rent costs in Florida, for instance, high real estate costs? Well, 75 percent of the PPP loan has to be uh, has to be applied to keeping your payroll and your employees on payroll. The other 25 percent can go to some things like rent and utilities. But I think it's important to stress while Congressman Rutherford and he and I are dear friends and work very well together, but his reference to 74% of the PPP money going to small businesses with $150,000 loan size, that's misleading. For example, you had a hotel chain that because they could apply for every one of their individual hotels got 26 loans approved. And so a, a, a a massive hotel train whose individual hotels could get an individual loan, uh, that loan size might be $150,000 or less, but that's certainly not meeting the definition mm-hmm. of what a truly small business is. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm, my understanding though, Tom, is that of, with the, of the $349 billion, it went to 1.6 million small business owners. That's only 6% of small businesses. So we have a long way to go to help truly small businesses. Mm-hmm. And I hope we can agree that a percentage, a large percentage of the next tranche of money can go to small businesses like of 50 or fewer or 100 or fewer employees, uh, director, not 500. Director Guerrero for Florida, did you get that uh, information for us about what types yeah, of companies in Florida received the mm-hmm. loans? The, the data that was provided on Thursday of last week, it was uh, the data I shared with you in reference to the state of Florida. But I do have a breakdown for industry, but it's national. It's not in the state of Florida. Right, and that's where construction companies uh, had the largest portion, I think about 13% of the loans, where accommodation and food service had less than 10%. Uh, and, and are we pitting industries against each other in a competition for these dollars? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't want, I don't believe that we are. I did read earlier this morning in an article, and, and the congresswoman can probably share more light on this than I can. That um, Congress is actually looking to, to do almost like a round two and pass and provide more appropriations for these, uh, for these types of programs. And within it, and congresswoman, please, um, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I read that about 60 billion of it will be set aside for minority firms and women-owned firms. And so I think they're they're trying to roll out these programs in, in a different manner mm-hmm. so that it could be a little bit, you know, equal 
across across the board. But again, the Congresswoman, um, you, you may have more insight on that than I, than I do at this point. Congresswoman, tell us the status of, of some of those additional um, guidelines that uh, the Democratic majority in the House is, is hoping for. Yes, that, that Victoria is right. And Victoria, I want to thank you for uh, for uh, being in the interview with me that's on my Facebook page where more, more folks can, if you go on my Facebook page, there's a really informative interview with Victoria and I that answers a lot of the most frequently asked questions about small business uh, programs related to COVID-19. Um, but specifically, we've been pressing, we being the Democratic majority, to include more money for the Economic Injury Disaster Loan Program. There, w- there likely will be $60 billion more, which will make sure uh, through provisions in the bill that Minority businesses, small small businesses, women-owned businesses are going to have you know access to those funds in a more significant way. Yeah. And again, we've got to make sure this money gets to truly small businesses. Representative Rutherford, do you uh, support do your Republican colleagues support th- those kinds of additional um, protections? I suppose. Yes, yes, I I, uh, I, I certainly do, and, and I'm and I'm sure that my uh, co- my Republican colleagues will as well. And, and I, I would mention one other thing, too, in this uh, moving forward. We're also concerned about rural, uh, rural hospitals and yep. um, children's hospitals specifically. And there's 20, 20 billion that has been set aside uh, directly for direct payments to those uh, to, to those businesses that are that are really hurting uh, right now. Along with the $25 billion in testing that we talked about earlier. Yep, yep. There's also some additional money that's been uh, earmarked uh, as well for, uh, obviously, uh, small businesses that we're talking in this payment uh, protection program and some other efforts. Let me squeeze in some phone calls here. Palm Beach Gardens. Gary is on line three. Gary, you're on the radio. Go ahead. Hi, good afternoon or good morning. Good morning. I have a somewhat uncommon problem that we rely on new tenants, new people to move into our apartment. And the demand for new apartments over the last 30 days since this started, or even 45 days, has been like non-existent, non-existent. I mean, my phone hasn't rang in a couple weeks with uh, somebody inquiring about moving into a new apartment. And we have a crisis coming up in about nine days because we had a uh, a company rent uh, seven apartments from us. And that company is vacating at the end of April. We're going to have seven vacancies at one location and I think three vacancies at another location just because of leases leases expiring. But worse than that is that we had a lot of folks in March didn't pay March because there was publicity about what was going on in Italy and Spain. And, and you know, there were people in, even scared even in March about this, so they withheld withheld money. So I have about a triple problem, which is, people that didn't pay March, people that didn't pay April, and and the greatest thing is that no new people yeah. coming in for May. Gary, have you applied for any of the uh, uh, protection programs or Small Business well, Administration lo- emergency loans? N- no, that's what I'm asking is what type applies to my type of situation. Gotcha. I'm not a retailer. I'm not a retailer. I'm not a manufacturer. I'm, I'm different than than the, the most most businesses. Yeah, you're a you're a landlord, but you've you've incorporated and, your property. Yes, and you're yes. a residential landlord. Uh, Victoria Guerrero, the district director in South Florida for the SBA, uh, help Gary out. How can how can uh, how could he um, apply for any of these programs? Which one's right for him? His situation. Well, he can definitely apply for the Paycheck Protection Program. What I would recommend is um, for him to go to sba.gov and uh, sports slash disaster under under funding programs, look for coronavirus relief and click on the Paycheck Protection Program. Um, Start getting all of your documents ready. Um, So when there's additional appropriations made to all of our programs, you will have your documents ready to be able to apply. Um, You'll see an example of the application on our website as well, and you can use that as a guide. But you can certainly apply for the Paycheck Protection Program um, as an example of that. And I believe you can also apply for the Economic Injury Disaster Loan Program as well. You'll find information on both programs on that website that I provided. And if you'd like, you can, you know, just email us here directly, and I'll make sure that someone can assist you with that. Our email address is 
um, SBA underscore South Florida at SBA.gov, and you can email us directly. Great. Uh, Victoria, can you hold on the line till the top of the hour with us? we got a lot more calls here. Of course. Wonderful. Victoria Guerrero, the South Florida District uh, Administrator, Director for the Small Business Administration. Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz is still with us. Congressman John Rutherford from North Florida also still with us. 800 We're back here live in the 9 a.m. hour for the Sunshine Economy, talking about the federal government's economic stimulus efforts, specifically geared towards small businesses, which are dominating in South Florida's economy. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks again for uh, listening, for calling and supporting public radio. Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz is still with us. Congressman John Rutherford and Victoria Guerrero is with us as well. She is the district director for the Small Business Administration in South Florida. We had a listener from Palm Beach County email us with a question about a second loan program, not the paycheck payment, uh, paycheck protection program, uh, but rather a different program. Now, this listener worked at a department store and has had a side hustle selling crafts, makeup, and perfume on eBay. Hi, this is Linda calling from West Palm Beach, Florida. I am trying to find out what happened to the $10,000 grant that was announced by the SBA latter part of March. On April 2nd, I filed for the $10,000 grant not to be repaid with SBA online. eBay sellers could use their social security number. I received an email on the 14th of April outlining the adjusted program, which did not include a grant. It is focusing on the PPP program and has completely dropped off the $10,000 grant for small businesses. Trying to find out what has happened. Now, Linda is referring to this separate loan program called the Economic Injury Disaster Loan Program. Uh, Director Guerrero with the Small Business Administration, uh, any update for Linda about that uh, that $10,000 uh, grant for the EIDL, the Economic Injury Disaster Loan Program? Yes, thank you so much, Tom. If um, Linda, if you received an application number when you applied um, for the Economic Injury Disaster Loan Advance, which is up to $10,000, I just want to make that clear, um, that it could be less than $10,000, it's up to. Um, but if you receive the application number, um, what I would suggest you do to find out what the status is, or if you would like more, in- more information on that, you can email disastercustomerservice at sba.gov disaster customer service at sba.gov. You can also give them a call at 1-800-659-2955, 1-800-659-2955. Best time to call them is early in the morning. They're, they're there from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. or late in the evening. And you can actually speak with someone who can assist you with that. Uh, Gisela on line eight, go ahead. You are on the radio now. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, my name is Gisela Diarmas, and I own two small companies under a franchise in Miami, Florida. I've been in business over uh, 20 years. I applied with, I was going to apply with a mid-sized bank first, City National. I do business with Bank of America. I got an email from Bank of America on April 3rd. I uh, send in all my documents because I already knew that I needed uh, my 940s uh, for payroll and so forth. And... Um, uploaded uh, the documents for one company, had a lot of difficulty for the second company. Finally, someone did reach out to me, but I still have no funds and no commitment. Has the loan been officially rejected, or you just haven't heard anything about it? It hasn't been rejected. The the individual that I finally paid attention to me and I'm working with uh, says, well, we're waiting for the promise, uh, what do they call the promissory note? Once I have that, then I'll have the funds in three days. And by the individual, you're referring to the individual at your bank that you're working with. Is that correct? At Bank of America. Okay, Gisela, we got it. Thank you. Uh, Director Guerrero, uh, what's important is the role of the bank in this transaction for the uh, paycheck payment program because uh, these companies like Gisela do have to apply through a bank. If they're not approved, do they hear anything back? I believe the bank or lenders will be advising them via email. Now, I do want to 
say to everyone online, if you're waiting for an email from your bank or from SBA, always remember to check your junk mail and your spam folder because I've heard from small business owners that sometimes they do see emails that are stuck in there. Um, so in reference to Gisela, I would say to continue working with your lender to see if they can give you an update. Um, if you haven't been rejected, you're probably still in the process of you know those last final moments where they need to do the, the promissory note. But the, but the money's already been exhausted at this point, hasn't it, Director Guerrero? I have not heard that the money has been exhausted. What we did is that we stopped accepting new applications so the SBA can focus on those applications that are on the pipeline. And as applications are getting approved, funding is being dispersed. I see. So applications are closed, but the funding has not finished yet. Is that right? I Correct. I okay. have not received word. Let me squeeze in just one more quick phone call here. Uh, we got a lot of them, but I want to get to Rob in Coral Springs. Go ahead, Rob. I'm, I'm tight on time. Make it quick, please, sir. Okay, I'll make it fast. We have a small business, seven uh, full-time employees, and we received TPP, in fact, funding one in the account this morning. My question is, we're still we're only working at an 80% capacity right now, mm-hmm. and my question is, is when do I need to bring full-time employees back in order to meet the requirements. I've heard June, but I haven't heard a solid date. Gotcha, Rob. Uh, Director Guerrero, is there a specific date that Rob has to bring his employees back? Well, the program is set up, so once you receive the funding, you need to be able to use the 75% for payroll for the following eight weeks. If you calculated payroll with employees that are not on on your payroll right now because you furloughed them, you do need to bring them back so you can utilize that funding for those eight weeks. You also need to let your 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 employees know that if they are on unemployment, they need to decide which program to use. They cannot be on both programs. Un- unemployment as well as the P- Paycheck uh, Protection Program. Director Guerrero, thank you for your time. Congresswoman Wasserman Schultz, uh, I've got less than a minute here. Uh, will we see new legislation this week, additional legislation? We are certainly hopeful that we're going to be able to reach agreement with and uh, and that's what we're pushing towards, getting money to these truly small businesses. And by the way, I want to thank uh, Congressman Rutherford for joining me. He and I work very, very closely together to, on the Appropriations Committee through the Military Construction VA Committee. And um, really, you know, we have a great, a great united Florida delegation. Yeah, well, I appreciate Congressman Wasserman Schultz, your time. Congressman Rutherford, thank you for yours as well. Uh, I do appreciate it here live in the 9 a.m. hour. I want to tell folks that Peter Meritz is our technical director, Katie Lepre, our engagement editor, Denise Royal, helped produce the program. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks again for listening and supporting Public Radio.